Hello everyone, uh, this is Jacob, also known as Big Yellow Praxis. I'm here with another episode about underrated music. This is a podcast where I generally talk with people about music that I think is underrated or overhated, hence the very imaginative name of my podcast. Uh, this episode, I'm joined by John Adams from The Score, which is a music promotion and marketing agency based in California. Uh, do you want to say hello, John? Hello. Um, this is fantastic. I absolutely love uh, being able to sit and talk music, especially with, uh, uh, with with someone who's as passionate about it as I am. So this is this is amazing. Thank you. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm definitely passionate about music. I love music and I know you love music. I can see all the records behind you. Um, you probably see some of the guitars behind me. So yes, I think we're on a similar wavelength. So for anyone listening, uh, you can find me on all the social media that's out there. Uh, I'm on YouTube. I'm on Reddit, Instagram, TikTok, everything. Just big yellow praxis. Give me a search. I do music stuff generally. It's not just the podcast. Uh, I do this podcast, obviously. So I write songs. I play little jam tracks with people, little music lessons. They're all over my YouTube channel, so check me out, head over, subscribe uh, if you like what I do. But uh, into the actual music that we're going to talk about this episode, some of my episodes are kind of genre-themed or artist-themed, but this one's more of a general chat, and I tried to kind of give a bit of a structure to the music that we would choose. We basically chose each a little playlist um, of music to send to the other that we both listened to, uh, and the general theme was Guilty Pleasure, a song that we thought is good for running and a song that we thought was good for driving. It's kind of, that's the general theme. And we've got a couple songs each. Well, I've got one song for each of those and you've, you've, you've cheated a little bit, but I'll allow it. I'll allow it. I have to let my guests cheat a bit. I couldn't narrow it down. I, I had a huge list before. And so I had to narrow it down at least to two in each category. That's fine. It's, it's perfectly all right. You know, it's, it's your prerogative as the guest. So also, your prerogative as a guest, um, it's up to you to choose where we start. What do you want to start with? Well, let's start with the the, the guilty pleasure. Okay. Okay. I, I feel like like guilty pleasure music, it's, it, it's a couple of different things. One, it's typically an artist that you don't talk about at parties because it's someone <laughs> who shows you how not cool you are with your music. Okay. Yes. I, I'm inclined to agree. That's really got the nail on the head quite well there, actually. Um, I've never thought of framing it that way, but I do agree. And and you, there's a second point to that. Yes. And and with a guilty pleasure, you can either try to be really cool or you can be honest and talk about music for what it is and what makes it a guilty pleasure. Something that just that 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 resonates in your soul and really speaks to you personally. It's this is not something that everybody is going to understand, but it's something that's very unique to you. Mm -hmm. I think you've done a really good job of summing it up there, actually. I, I actually struggle a bit with the idea of guilty pleasures because I, I'm not someone who has that much shame. I don't feel that bad about some of the songs. You know, I, I, I like. It takes me a while to recognize that something should be should be seen as a guilty pleasure. Um, but yeah, but this one, the one I chose, I definitely think is. I mean, it has to be called a guilty pleasure. But do you want to go to mine first or to yours first? I'm really easy either way. Go for it. You go. You go first because this okay. is this is very unique. It is incredibly unique. Um, so this is a song called Moscow by a German disco band called Genghis Khan. And I don't know where to start. What did you think about this? I can see you're already like kind of laughing to yourself. <laughs> First, I had never heard this track before. 
so to be to to have my uh, m- my music boundaries uh, widened is always awesome. And mm-hmm. to have something like this, it was it was spectacular because this isn't just a guilty pleasure track. This is something that you would that you would hear in a club in really like the late seventies, early eighties, and it's mm-hmm. it's just amazing. The the, <laughs> the energy in it, the uh, uh, it's definitely a guilty pleasure. Yes, I'm, I'm glad you I'm glad you enjoy it, though. That's that's uh, that's really I, d- I did put it on there. I, I said I struggled a bit with guilty pleasure, but putting it on there, I did think oh, it's a risky one. I hope that someone can at least appreciate it. But so from from what I remember of my introduction to this song, my little brother, um, he I don't know how he found it. I don't know whether his German teacher introduced it to him as a kind of, you know, a way to like learn a bit of German because the German in it is actually relatively simple. Um, and he introduced it to me and we were maybe, I think I was probably about 14 at the time. And this was like the very early days of, uh, YouTube. And it was one of the first videos I remember seeing on YouTube and just the whole, like the way they look as a band, it's, it's very, what you'd expect of late seventies disco, very sparkly, very ridiculous. Um, one of the guys actually looks like, uh, do you know the character Ming the Merciless from, uh, Flash Gordon? Yes. Yeah. One of the guys looks... He looks exactly like him. So we, as teenagers, as young teenagers, we thought it was the funniest thing in the world. Um, and the lyrics, they're very simple, but they're just about how great Moscow is um, and about how you should all get drunk and dance on the table. It, it's really, it's just ridiculous <laughs> stuff. Um, and the music, it's, it is very campy, isn't it? I, I, there's not much to say in a way other than it's exactly what you'd expect of a, a late 70s um, German disco band singing about Moscow. It's kind of if you didn't even say the artist or the song title and just uh, and just talked about how it's a late 70s German disco track. I'm already in. I already (laughs) want to listen to it. Excellent. I I see we're kindred souls in this. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Oh, without a doubt. It has it has everything. You know, it has that ridiculous, funky beat. It has uh, the silly lyrics, the big like uh, harmony vocals. It even has that amazing, cheesy uh, key change at the end which just really for me it's just the cherry on the cake i mean without that it would still be great but just when you hear that it's just like yes you've done all the things <laughs> i expected you to do as a song um and i i really love it I, it's not often i listen to it and i'm really glad that we kind of uh chose to do guilty pleasures because i did think a bit i was like there's a lot of stuff and you know some stuff's easy like you can go for like a cheesy 80s song or whatever but i thought what is actually a song that as you say speaks to me Really, it really does speak to me on a personal level how much I love this song, whilst also not being the song kind of song that I would play at a house party or anything like that. <laughs> yeah. uh, the, the track is also a featured in the like a for for the only reference that I have is like American Idol here in the U.S. But it was part of of a like a singing competition uh, television oh, really? show. Yeah. Oh, I so, didn't know that. I'm gonna have to say it. I, I, there was a there was a Will Ferrell movie last summer that came out that was about oh Eurovision, Eurovision. I, I oh, was it a Eurovision song from Eurovision? Yeah. Okay. I didn't see Eurovision is a weird kind of uh, pan-European institution, and in Britain we like to pretend that we're too cool. I mean, I don't watch it. I've never been really that interested, and that's not me trying to be too cool. I know I'm not too cool, but. Um, it's one of those things that it's a, it's a campy institution that um, British people like to pretend that we don't care about never winning. Um, but every year, millions of people watch it. Um, 
It's a very yeah, it's a very weird European thing. It doesn't surprise me actually that it was a European song. It's it's the complete exact right kind of thing. Um but I I just really have to be honest here when we move on to we'll move on to your guilty pleasures now. I kind of feel like compared to mine, one of yours at least is actually not too guilty a pleasure. Um I don't know where it feels like you're cheating a little bit because it's like, oh my taste is quite good that even my guilty pleasure is this. But um I don't know. I, I'll hand it over to you, and you, if you want to mention either or both or whatever. Okay. Well, I I really did struggle with this a, a bit because I, I can either be cool or I can I can be honest. And mm-hmm. with the guilty pleasure, I, I've got to be honest because the very first track I, I have two of them here because mm-hmm. it, they're they're both played a lot in my house, and one of them is uh, John by John Denver. Um, an, an American singer songwriter um, really from the th- through the 70s and 80s he was very Americana but his music didn't really fit any genre per se uh, some people say that he's country he's a vocalist uh, he's he's kind of across the board depending on the track that or the album that he that he released yeah this track is mother nature's son Um, it's from the album Rocky Mountain High, which is one of his best. And the the track is actually a Beatles cover song. Um, it's from the White Album. It's a Paul McCartney song. And it's it's kind of campy. And the, and the Beatles version is very slow and it's very soft. And it's about this poor young country boy, Mother Nature's son. Oh, it's it, it's it's adorable. It's yeah. it's Paul at his schmarmiest. But. <laughs> John Denver's version has a lot more life to it. It has energy and it's it's really a, a track that in concert John Denver used to say this is a Beatles song but if they but if Paul didn't write this I would have. It's that kind of perfect right, yes. song for John Denver. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So this is the one I think I don't think it's that guilty. I know what you mean though. Um I I always liked the uh, the original Beatles version. I I do like it. It's not it's not like a top tier Beatles track in a way, but it's it's a nice contribution to their insanely big legacy. But I, I always liked the song. Um, and I like I did like this version as well, actually. I'm really glad to have heard it. Um, and I think John Denver was right. It is very John Denver a song. And I like what he does with it. He does make it like nicely energetic. And it's interesting what you say um, about John Denver not sitting in any genre completely it's all it's something i always i think in britain at least where country music isn't really that big of a thing mm-hmm. um john denver's just he's just a country artist because that's just do you know what i mean that's how we deal with genres that aren't that big in whichever country you're in um but listening to him he's always been very different to even johnny cash who's a more obviously straightforward country artist um yes. John Denver, he's kind of folksy, poppy, country. He's all these kind of things. Americana is probably the best way to just sum it up. And I don't know how you guys in America actually use the word. You probably use it correctly. But for me, Americana is just, I'll just chuck it at a bunch of things. Um, but yeah. I, I really, yeah, I really like this song. I, I really did. Um, right. Maybe I'm just showing my bad taste by saying it's not that guilty of a pleasure. <laughs> I don't know. 
<laughs> well, I, I'm I'm happy that you like it. His his music really does speak to me. My parents uh, took me to to his concert first. That was the very first show that I went to in like in 1981, mm-hmm. and uh, I I grew up with his music. Um, and my son is named Denver. Um, oh wow! Because of of John Denver and my love for okay, his. Okay, that's that's cool. Yeah, yeah. Okay, awesome. Because I didn't realize until recently that John Denver wasn't his birth name that he chose it because he loved the state I, did, right. I hadn't realized that and it's it just make it's just a cool name and it really works john denver it just really fits and um i don't know it just i do like his music i i, I think generally you could call him a bit of a guilty pleasure in a way i i what it is about i think sometimes his his voice is quite warbly it's got that country not countryish but the folksy warble uh that people can easily label immediately as a guilty pleasure. Um, I'm yes. personally, I do like it. Um, I always liked leaving on a jet plane. I think that was always my favorite. I just, I think the atmosphere that he creates in that song, I just, nice melody, nice lyrics, good song. I just, I think he has some great songs in there. He, he's still not someone I listen to tons, but I'm definitely glad I heard this one. So thanks. Thanks for introducing me to that. Absolutely. So I have one other song that also. Now, this song, it, when you when you think about uh, instrumental music, you really uh, most people will think, oh, it's it's either classical or it's it, it's not a big hit. It's it, it's it's going to be slow. This track is by Herb Alpert, who is a, a, a trumpet trumpeteer. Is that correct? Trump trumpetist? I, th- I think so. <laughs> I think it's trumpeteer. I'm not entirely sure. <laughs> yeah, he, he plays the trumpet and he's he's amazing. Um, his his band in the in the 60s was uh, Herb Alpert and the Tijuana Brass, and they had a, a million hits. And as time went on, he his music and his sound evolved to this track from the 80s that is, is just very 80s. You, you, it's called Rise. And it's from the album with the same name. When I listen to this album, I think of of the A-Team or rather uh, uh, Miami Vice, because that's kind of in the pocket when it comes to like 80s TV shows, moonlighting, I guess. And. (laughs) This track is it's just magnificent. It has this this great build and this and this awesome bass line um, leading into to, to his his trumpet and that lead line. Um, it it builds on itself. Well, it's a long song. It's like almost eight minutes, seven and a half minutes long. Yeah, yeah. And that's a lot of 80s cheese to, to <laughs> digest. But it yes. is really magnificent. I, I totally agree. I think if you're lactose intolerant, avoid this track. But um, <laughs> otherwise, I, I I thought it was great fun. I I like funk, and as you can tell probably from my other song, I I do like disco. Um, disc, I probably I, I do prefer funk, I guess, to disco. But I, and I like this. It was cool, and you can just put it on and just groove along nicely to it. But it, it is certainly cheesy. Um, I I guess it's just unfortunately it's it's music that's in a bit of a time capsule in that regard. Um, it doesn't matter how good quality it is. It's always going to have that cheesy vibe. It's always going to be a bit of a guilty pleasure, but I don't. That shouldn't stop anyone from enjoying it because I really, I really liked it. He's not someone I had heard of at all until you um, introduced this song to me. But coincidentally, I don't know where I saw it. Some somewhere or someone uh, had recently mentioned the Tijuana Brass Band. That's what they're called. Yes. 
yeah. and I saw an album cover and it has a woman covered in whipped cream or something. <laughs> and I just thought, who is this? And weirdly, this is, I think, just yesterday. I didn't realize that the two were uh, linked in any way. I just had to look up this album cover thinking, who is this, who is this band? And I saw his name again. I thought, oh my God, what a weird connection. Um, but I, I gather they're, they're slightly mariachi. They have a bit of that influence in their music, do they? Is that, yes. is that right to say? Yeah, without a doubt, there's there's a, a a Spanish feel to some of the some of the music. Um, the when you think of the theme songs like the dating game from the 60s, mm-hmm. that's Herb Alpert and the Tijuana Brass. So it's even as you go back in his history, there's there's just this level of kind of cheesiness to it that's there. But there's an odd cool at the same mm-hmm. time. And yeah. that's what I love about about Herb Alpert. And this track, Rise, is is really fantastic. There's another track that's on the that's on the album called Route 101. That's also something to explore. Same level of cheese, same level of 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 kind of a, a cool factor as well. Great song. And I think that one's another like seven minute song. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That's just how they did it in like the late 70s into the 80s with these kind of funky disco tracks of. And I, I, I love it because they, 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 once you get to that length and because instrumental music's not catchy in the same way that, you know, a vocal song, well, it can be, but they tend not to be. It almost becomes this kind of like long, big soundscape that you just kind of get lost in. And that's, that's what I did like about the track. Um, and a brief comment about the album cover is he, I think he's standing in front of a wall and is it like paintings, like a mural of like vinyl records? I couldn't quite tell. Yes. Yeah. For a second, ex- I... For a second, I thought they were like crop circles, um, and I thought that would be very, very on point for like late seventies, eighties. You know, that kind of sci-fi disco funk thing. I, I, it's a weird connection. I thought, are they crop circles? I think they're vinyl records. I'm not sure, but um, if again, it feels very of its time. Um, very cool, but yes, avoid if you're lactose intolerant. I think that is the only comment I would make. Um, but from from that, it's a shame to move on from the guilty pleasures in a way because it's always so fun to talk about them. But the next one, well, where do you want to go next? We had running songs or we had driving songs. Oh, let's save the driving songs. Those are two of my favorites. So let's okay, go cool. to running songs. Running songs. Um, should we start with, we'll start with mine. Oh, we'll start with mine, shall we? Is that right? So Good. mine, a song called Seize the Day by an artist, actually originally a YouTuber uh, called Melody Sheep. You must strive to find your own voice. Because the longer you wait to begin, the less likely you are to find it at all. Carpe diem, seize the day, gather ye rosebuds while ye may. Strive to find your own voice, seize the day. Who, again, from my memories of being like a teenager, was kind of one of the original YouTubers I remember getting interested in. He essentially takes samples from, well, actually a, a wide variety of different things, news sometimes, um from documentaries, movies, anything really, and auto-tunes them and kind of samples them into like a new creation of music. And this one is based on samples of Robin Williams and from like all the variety of different films he's been in. So there's clips of Mrs. Doubtfire in there and um, Dead Poet Society, I remember, is in there. There's this Good Morning stuff. Vietnam. Good Morning Vietnam. Yep, that's in there. Um, I think I think this is a really great track. Um, and it really gets me kind of, I don't run much at the moment. Um, I hurt my back last year, which is a convenient excuse not to do anything, but I generally did. Um, but you know, 
once I go back, um, this is a song that's always been on like my running playlist, and it does just kind of get me energized. I really like it. But uh, what did you think of it? I think I the track is very different, and I like the track because I love Robin Williams. So yes. I, I was already kind of drawn into it right from the from the very beginning. Um, it, it really does hook you, and and it has you listening to the the track itself and to those movie clips, and I like mm -hmm. that. The, mm -hmm. the thing that that really got me was that I was picturing myself running and listening to this track. And that's where I couldn't do it because ah. because I, I feel like it, like a track needs to have a certain BPM in order to for it to be something that you can run to, that you can be yes. um, th that you can get lost in. Mm -hmm. And although it didn't have the, that same BPM, I was able to get lost in the track. So I understand how you're able to have that as one of your running songs. I, I totally... Yes, yeah. So firstly, yeah, one of the reasons I love this track so much is because, again, I love Robin Williams and that it's a really great intro into it. Like, you're obviously going to appreciate it more if you love the samples that are used and things like that. I love Robin Williams. I think he's great. And I, this was after... It was made after his death, actually, not long after. So it was, I think it was consciously a bit of a tribute. Um, and I thought that was really good. But yes, I totally get you. That's why it was a strange pick in a way because it's not... I mean, we all have different running paces and I'm quite tall, so I probably have quite a slow running place, uh, pace in terms of my steps, but it's still not the right pace. But for me, I think I've discussed this with a friend before about running tracks and he he chooses, for example, in his running playlists, a lot of like post rock ambient stuff and a lot of and stuff that I was just like, what? This, you know, this is so strange to me. It, it sounds... It's quite dark music as well. He chooses the darker side of that kind of stuff. And to me, that just seems really nihilistic. And I would, I, you know, it would, I would just despair and I couldn't run to that. Whereas that quite often I do like that kind of pacier song. But um, I, I also just like music that I can just really get engaged with and just forget that I'm running because at the end of the day, I, I'm not a huge fan of it. I just do it because I feel like, you know, it's better than nothing in terms of exercise. Um there are tons of songs as well that I tend to put on running playlists that are that kind of pacier hard rock or something like that. But th th that's why I chose this one. It it's a good one to get lost in, I thought, for me. And when you're when you're putting music on that playlist, do you consciously uh, listen to the track flow and say, OK, I, I can't do this pace for that long. I've got to slow it down. Do you think that way or or is it just these are the tracks in the playlist and I'm going to go where it go? Where Yeah, it's much it's much more the second one. I, I just really okay. slap a certain kind of song in there. It tends to be cheesier, not necessarily like full blown cheese, but it tends to be poppier i guess it's more like not necessarily short but it, it's even if it's a hard rock song it's like a catchy hard rock song not just the kind of for me not necessarily just the more brutal one or the darker one it's something that's a bit more peppy i guess is the word so it's, it'll cover a lot of genres but yeah i feel that kind of catchy because even this song it's made out of samples it's still quite catchy isn't it and that's kind of what draws me yes. to, to a song for a running song but I, I feel like yours are quite different so do you want to Go yeah, through yours and your thinking, I guess, for choosing them. Yeah. Okay. I, I have two tracks here. One is is from Muse, and mm -hmm. it's from the album Simulation Theory, which is um, as part of my work. I work with different labels, and I take music um, from the, the labels that are sports priorities, and I take them to sports teams across the U.S. and to the the league offices, and and open their ears to this music. And one of these tracks um, simula from Simulation Theory called Pressure. 
um, the track itself was really great. And I, I talked to the, uh, to the label and I said, you know, this would be a really great song to have a marching band associated with it and a marching band playing the music from this. I could see that, see that being played. And then they said, you know what? That's we already have that. That's going to be on the deluxe edition. So I couldn't wait to hear this song. And this is the song pressure, but instead of muse doing all the instrumentation, it's the UCLA marching band. This adds a different style, a different feel to this track. And to me, I think it adds so much more than just the Muse version. And the Muse version is phenomenal. But this version of it with that, the, the, the marching band drums, it's a different sound, it's a different feel. And I like the pacing of it. So mm-hmm. this track to me is a great running song. And this is about the pace that I want to I, I jog to or run to. Mm-hmm. So I, I have to be I've never been a fan of Muse. I, they're not... I don't hate them. They're just not really on my radar. But when I heard it, because I didn't actually look through your, your track listing and I just kind of pressed play. I, I probably saw the first one. I just pressed play and I just listened through it. Um, and I could tell it was Muse quite quickly from me. Matt, Matt Bellamy has a very distinctive voice. But I yeah. was I was like, what, what is going on? What is this instrumentation? At first, I thought it was like very well done synths, if that makes sense. You know, I thought it had that kind of... Um, and then looking at the album cover, which has a very like uh, sci-fi kind of retro '80s vibe, and I thought it was it was heavily synthesized. And I thought this is actually yeah. this really is interesting. It's very colorful and dynamic. Um, and it wasn't until I looked at the the title and it said it was featuring the UCLA um, marching band, I, it kind of blew my mind a bit because it was the last thing I expected. Um, and it's even weirder when when you, when your brain misinterprets it as synthesizers and that kind of 80s vibe and you realize actually it's a huge uh, marching band yeah kind of just it's it's like seeing the world you know for the first time it was it was surreal experience to go from a rock setting from and and i I agree with you i'm not a huge muse fan in fact um i I have a friend who's a huge fan and uh he he usually makes fun of me because uh he said (laughs) He said, you're not a music fan unless you like Muse. I said, no, that argument can be made for the Beatles, not for Muse. So (laughs) the track itself, to go from from what you would expect from Muse and that rock atmosphere to a a marching band is very different. When you're going into the the chorus um, where it's talking... where the, the lyrics are, t- are, uh, are speaking pressure. Um, yeah. You have the horns that are so prominent and it, it, you don't get that on a rock track. Mm-hmm. So I, yeah. I like this version of it um, head and shoulders above the original. That's incredible. I didn't even register that it would be a different version. I thought, because again, I was listening to it as like this synth pop track and then my mind was blown. I don't think I was ready to understand that there was in fact another full rock band version I don't think I was prepared to have my mind blown again, but I, I really do need to go listen to that because that sounds really interesting. And to, com- to compare the two will be very cool because I, th- I, I like this more than I like the average uh, Muse track. Um, so I'm going to have to go back and compare and be like, well, what's, what's going on here? Um, is, is that the only change? Has it been edited? In, has it been made shorter or anything? Or is it really just the addition of the, nope, uh, the marching band? That's it. And mm. it's, it's on the same album, but, th- but this version of it with the, the UCLA marching band, is from the super deluxe version and you can find both of them on spotify but uh but this one speaks uh, uh, uh loudly to me yeah 
cool. And it, it is very much a running song. I totally feel you on that. It's a good tempo and it's a good feel. And, you know, it's literally a marching band. Like, what more can you ask? <laughs> um, to keep the beat. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's, that's what they do. Um, <laughs> but you chose another one for your running song as well, didn't you? Yes, I did. And this one is, it really does harken back to high school for me. Um, high school was all about very hard rock and getting focused for athletic competition. And this is from Pantera. And the track is Mouth for War. This is all massive guitar, screaming vocals. And what I like about this is, is what it does to me personally is that it gets me out of my head. Um, I'm listening to the music. I can't hear myself breathe anymore. And when I'm <laughs> running, I'm, I'm out of shape. So I'm usually wheezing. I don't want to hear that or feel it. So I'm <laughs> listening to something incredibly loud to take my focus away from my labored breath. It's interesting what you say, because there's, you could put a different song up to the same volume, but it's just not as loud as this kind of metal. There's something, there's more noise to it that you just cannot replicate by putting I don't know, John Denver up to the same volume. It's, <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's just, yeah. Um, there's something there. And I, it's a visceral experience when you listen to this music. Uh, I, I felt it like immediately. It's not something I listen to a lot, but Pantera. Um, so Dimebag Daryl is, as a guitarist, he's just, he has that groove, which I think is sometimes lacking from this heavier type of metal. He has a real he sits in the pocket in such a distinctive way. It's not, it's not bluesy anymore because it's taken it to the next stage in heaviness and loudness, but he has that soul that you really hear in the guitar. And I think that's a really great combination. And it is totally, I think, I mean, I think it's hilarious. That you're saying that you want to drown out your own wheezing, but yeah, yes. I get you. There's, it's physical. It's a really viscerally physical, uh, hard rock song. Yeah. And that this is perfectly, sorry, you go on. No, and and it's not it's not something that that, that you're going to listen to and uh, and picture the, the the artist on stage smiling while they're while they're performing. <laughs> yeah, that's not what this is. This is like you said, it is visceral. It's raw. It's um, it, and, and the sound is massive. So mm -hmm. it is going to drown out everything else around you. You mm -hmm. cannot have just a peaceful conversation while listening to Pantera. That is a good point. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's not it's not a genre I listen to very much. I listen to some heavy music, but not quite this stuff. And when I heard it, that is, I was like, wow, this is full on. I mean, like the treble, the bass, and the mids are just there, and they are physical. They're physical in a way that you know, Led Zeppelin is not physically heavy in the same way that Pantera are. Mm -hmm. And you know, I like Led Zeppelin, but there's something something about what they've captured there is is pretty unbelievable and. They're not the most, they're quite technical in a way, but they're the most, not the most technical metal band, but there's something, I, there's something that they managed to capture that a lot of more technical, technically proficient or technically louder bands haven't been able to capture. And I, I really think that that translates perfectly into a song where if you're not running, you want to be punching a punching bag or I don't know, maybe a person. It depends what kind of you know extreme sport you're into. But it is it is that kind of music, isn't it? I, I feel like my running song really pales into comparison compared to this one. Once I heard this, I was like, no, this is come on, Jacob. Now this is a real this is a real running song. Like what you had on was like a little like uh, skipping song or something. I don't know. <laughs> 
Well, when you when you're looking at people who are in the who are running, who are who are on a trail and they're listening to music, they're lost. They're mm-hmm. they're lost in their steps. They're lost in their music. They're lost in the moment. And that that's what I love about being able to get out and be doing something physical, especially mm-hmm. running. But with this, you're not going to be running with a with, with a smile on your face. It is it is a focus track and it's absolute energy. That's yeah. what I love about it. Yeah, true. I, I think that's that's totally spot on. Um, so from running to driving, driving songs. Yes. Um, I'll let you go first this time. Okay. So when when it comes to a road trip and to driving songs, there, I, I thought of this in two different ways. And when you start a road trip, there's a lot of anticipation. You're happy to get on the road. You're happy to start the road trip. And you want something that's that's happy, has a great beat, that that has... It, it, it has... A, a, a bit of joy to it. And mm-hmm. I chose uh, a track from the Doobie Brothers. Um, it's China Grove. This is a classic rock track in every sense of the word. It's played a lot on the radio, at least here in the US. And it is... It's a great road trip song. This is what you play at the beginning of the road trip when you're just getting on the road and you have the entire trip ahead of you. This is setting the tone for the rest of the trip. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it's it's that kind of boogie 70s. I, I, I thought it was a great, I'd not heard of it. Doobie Brothers, interestingly, I think they're one of those bands that never, there are lots of UK bands who don't make it big in America. And I think for an American band, it doesn't really matter that much if you're big in America, but not in big in Britain. But the Doobie Brothers, I don't think were ever very big in Britain. Um, mm. like, I think Kiss is similar. Kiss were obviously huge in America, but over here, we don't really talk about Kiss that much. Um, and Doobie Brothers, I'd, I'd heard two songs before. Um, is it Listen to the Music, I think? Yes. Is that them? And What a Fool Believes. They were the only two I'd ever heard by them. And they're they're quite different, and this one is yes. much more of that kind of straightforward boogie song. Whereas, what Fool believes in particular is very like soulful, much more of a kind of soul soul song. Um, this song actually, it's I always like to think when when did when was this song written? When was it released? And I I thought this song was from later in the seventies than it actually was. It still has that like early seventies boogie feel, but at the same time, there's some the the production and something about that feel sounds a lot more late 70s or even more contemporary than that and i i really like that about the track and you're right it's got like a really upbeat optimistic energy that is it is the start of a road trip kind of song um i thought it was a cool song it's just it's the kind of music that i just like it's just it's just cool you can just put it on i like a bit of boogie rock good vocals good guitar yep the guitar riff at the very beginning is really great. I love the guitar riff going into it. That uh, the, the the piano coming in is very positive. It's it's great. And like you said, this is from 1973. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, and I like you. I thought th- I would have pegged this in the in the early 80s, but uh, but but I think that this track for what it is is really ahead of of its time. Um, and and like you said, the, the the Doobie Brothers go through these different stages of their music. And What a Fool Believes has Michael McDonald on vocals, and that's that soulful, 
soulful feel to the music. And Michael McDonald was with Steely Dan and he performed Steely Dan and did a lot of background vocals with them and with Toto and a a whole bunch of different artists um, at, at this time period. At one point, I believe he had his voice was featured on six tracks in the top 20 in the US and and they were all with different artists. So the the Doobie Brothers the the scope of their music is it's it's pretty broad and you have this really great rock you have this soulful stuff this cajun music that, that that's in there there's some some really great tracks but as when it comes to a road trip this is what you want to launch you on your way yeah yeah i i, I do agree and i like that you really thought about like oh this is a road trip because there are different types of driving song as well, I guess, you know, in, to some people, it's just if I say a driving song, they think driving fast. You know, this is like a racing song almost or now because we're still in lockdown in the UK. So I'm not we don't know when I really took like a long car journey. It's been ages. And to me, like a treat is going out for like a drive on an evening. It's just like the around the city. So that's a very different kind of drive. Um but I, I like that you specified, you've really thought about this in depth, and that's really good. This is a driving trip song, like a road trip song. Yes, um, and the next track is is the other part of the road trip, because a road trip, it, ha- it will have, if you're doing a road trip right, it will have different sections to it. Yeah. And usually in a road trip, when you're, when you're out on, the, on, a, on, a, on a road for several hours, there's usually a part that has some contemplation to it that has where you and your friends can get into some, some really great conversation. And that part of the road trip has a different feel to it and needs different music. And for that, I went to Stephen Ashbrook. Um, the, the track is I feel good. It's never easy come, but easy go. But I feel good. I feel good about my Steven is not uh, not an enormous artist um, here in, in, in the US, but he is a wonderful singer songwriter and a great guitar player. Um, he's very easy to listen to. His music is uh, it, it, it really lends to contemplation of of a moment rather than getting lost in Pantera. Um, yeah. <laughs> this is, this is soft contemplation. This is conversational music and it's very well written. So that's, that's the other part of the road trip that I had to, to bring into this. So the track is, I feel good, Stephen Ashbrook. I, I love, I love the level of thought you're going into on this. It's, it's great. It's great. This song to me is hearing it is so evocative of an American road trip to me. Obviously I've not been to America, but it sounds more like those open roads. It's, it's that Americana kind of sound. It's it's not country, but it's country-ish maybe. Um, sure. And in Britain, we just can't we can't quite replicate that. Um, and see, I've I've spent a bit of time in Australia. My brother lives there, and I've gone on long road trips there, and that's a lot more of that similar vibe. You've got the long open road. Um, you know, you've got a massive expanse. You can see the mountains. You can see well in Australia, you can see the outback or whatever. Um, whereas in Britain, you're driving and you can see the motorway, you can see greenfield. You can see greenfields no matter where you are in the country. The country is greenfields and it's city. That's not a bad thing. It's it's nice in a way to have a country that's entirely like 
green, I guess, or can be entirely green. Um, but it's very different. And this song to me, I heard it and it's like, yes, this is an American road trip. And you're right. It's like contemplative feeling. It's we're past the kind of initial excitement of, yeah, we're going on a road trip. And, you know, you can't maintain that energy through the entire time. And this is a really nice song. It, it I assume you literally have this on like a, a road trip playlist some, somewhere. You must because it's the perfect song for it. Yes, I, I do. And when my wife and I take the kids on on a road trip, we're 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 driving hundreds of miles and mm-hmm. we usually will hit a, a, a section of road where we just listen to Stephen Ashbrook and his music is is all in this same vein. Um, uh, very well, um, well orchestrated guitar, well written lyrics. I love mm-hmm. his wordplay in his songs and uh, the, the, the album uh, Double Live at Long Wong's is uh is really phenomenal so Mm -hmm. if you have a chance to check him out and uh, give him a little bit of love um he's fantastic yeah i mean i certainly will i reckon people should it's really nice um and i thought it's a really nicely performed live album it just really it just sounds good it it sounds it's not too he's clearly he's playing to a relatively intimate audience from from what i gather and he just he he has complete command over it it's just it's just brilliant i i think it's just great hearing someone who's just right on top of their craft not necessarily playing the most insanely complicated thing but you're playing something really well and just nailing it i i really liked it it was a great song and yeah onto my onto my driving song yes, i guess please. which was a bit different it, it's kind of more the the former part of it which is about the energy of the start of a of, of a kind of road trip because again i was thinking road trip but it's also a short enough song that you can just slap it on and just kind of drive around um so this song is bill collins and it is a song from the tarzan soundtrack called son of man Tarzan, the 90s Disney version, um, which is a song which was, I I remember loving it as a child. Uh, I thought it was great. And the music has always stood out to me as particularly brilliant. It's like an energetic track. It's catchy. I really think it's some of the best work Phil Collins has ever done, actually. And I don't say that uh, kind of um, without consideration. Do you? I mean, I mean it seriously. You know, he's got a really long and great career with Genesis all the way from like early Genesis, which is that kind of progressive rock, into really good pop stuff. He's got massive solo career. And I think this is, I genuinely, I love this song. And I love all the songs on this soundtrack. Um, but what did you think of it? Did you know the song already? Yes, I did. And when I saw that you chose this one, I was I was really thrilled. And I actually, I had to tell my wife about this. And it's such a great song. And this album, uh, the, the Tarzan soundtrack, if you're if you, again, are unfamiliar with it, please check this out because Phil Collins is in his element in in, in this. And I think that he brings it just perfectly to uh, uh, to this soundtrack. And f- as far as Disney soundtracks go, um, people will will typically gravitate toward Lion King, Aladdin, Frozen as those marquee, huge soundtracks. And I don't think that Tarzan got the love that it should have because there are several songs on on this album that are that are really just brilliant songs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, I, yeah, I totally agree. 
Yes, and the, the the song "Son of Man" for a road trip is is really great. Perfect energy, a strong drum beat. It's um, it, the the lyrics are great. His vocals are on point. I I love the energy in this in this track, and and I, it, this is definitely going on on my or being added to my road trip uh, playlist. Very nice, very nice. Yeah, because this this is literally on one of my running uh, driving road trip playlists. Um, right. I mean, I almost went for, and I had to stop myself going for a certain song because it's obvious and it's not underrated in any way. It was um, American Pie because my brain just immediately gravitated towards that. And I was like, no, 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 you can't do that. That's the obvious song. Uh, it's a great song, but it's the obvious one. So I w- went for this. And I think what you said is right. Like he is in his element, Phil Collins, on this song because, you know, he's a he's really got a knack for writing a really catchy song. I think lyrically he's, on top of his game here and drumming like he really gets to like show off his percussion skills which by later genesis they weren't necessarily doing as much in the studio and here it's a really key part of the sound there's like amazing sounding drums all the way through the entire um soundtrack in fact and i think the sound it's one of those films where i think the soundtrack is better than the film the film is a good disney film but honestly i I, I think i watched it a bit afterwards you know i'd grown up and i thought yeah it's good but it's really about the soundtrack and this soundtrack i could have chosen any of them to be honest because they all have a similar amount of energy and they're all great um but yeah i'm just i'm just glad you you totally agree um i didn't necessarily know like oh is he gonna know this one like it's disney because some people that's why i put it in here i guess like disney you know it's huge but a lot of people are dismissive of, of Disney. And I think a great song is a great song. And I really think this is a great song. Yeah. And when it comes to Disney music, there there are so many other levels to Disney as well. There, mm-hmm. th- There's the music from the from the parks that you won't get um, outside of those. There, There's the movie and the, the soundtrack music. There are instrumentals and the mm-hmm. nature music. And th- there are a lot of different elements to to Disney and Disney music. And then there's also pop. Um like uh, uh, Demi Lovato and uh, oh yeah, uh, yeah, more that that are also on those Disney labels. So Disney has it has a very wide range of music. And going to Phil Collins for this soundtrack, there's another track on this on this soundtrack called "Trash in the Camp." That's yes. all percussion, and it's brilliantly done. It's it's them uh, hitting bottles and pans and pots and things, and it's very intricate. And the, mm-hmm. his drum work on Son of Man is very intricate. And it's, it is a key, if not the key part of the whole, uh, the whole track. And there's, there's a almost tribal element to it. That's very Tarzan-ish yeah. or Tarzan-y, yeah. whatever you want to say. And, uh, and I think it adds so much to, uh, to the song and to the soundtrack. That track is, is brilliant. Well done. Yeah. Uh, what sorry were you saying well done to phil or to me for choosing it <laughs> both both oh, excellent <laughs> i'll take it i'll take it um it's nice to be complimented in the same breath as phil collins so i will definitely take that i mean it's it's not quite the same but i'll take it um you know what we've been through some great songs in this uh this episode i really i'm it's cool to be introduced to completely new stuff which i'm definitely finding that's the great thing about having guests on. And because when I first started this podcast, it was me talking at people, but like, hey, I like this music. Um, and, you know, people were engaged and interested, but it's so much better to have someone, especially someone like you, who's got tons of experience in, in music generally, um, to bring these songs to me. And I, lots of these I just hadn't heard or I hadn't 
maybe thought to listen to as closely. In fact, I don't think I'd heard any of them. Um, oh, great. I, I knew most of the artists, I guess, but I hadn't heard these particular songs. And it's just good to, it's good to be reminded, you know, there's always totally different stuff out there, even by a band that I know I'm not massively keen on, like Muse. This track, that track, it just, it kind of did blow my mind. It went from what I assumed was like symphonic synth pop to, oh my God, it's a marching band. And now you're telling me there's a full rock version. I just, it's crazy, it, but it's brilliant. It's really good. Um, but I think, I think that's a good place for us to wrap up. Um, I really, I really enjoy talking to you about music. It's, it's been really good. Thanks. I, I love this. Music is appropriate for every, every mood, every element, every time of, of, of day that music is, is the soundtrack to our lives. And we're building that soundtrack every single day. And when I can be turned on to new music, like you did for me today. And when I can, uh, can share some of the music that makes an impact to me, I uh, I'll do it every single day of the week. I absolutely love it. So thank you for the, uh, for the time. Awesome. Awesome. Totally agree. Brilliant. Thank you very much for your time then. Um, Got it. see ya. Thanks. We'll talk soon. Bye.